It blesses my heart to see so many showing up to Christmas program today. And it's an honor and privilege to be the speaker today. I don't take it lightly. And the Lord's burdened my heart to have a message today called the true meaning of Christmas. You know, this day and age, it seems like the hustle and bustle and the stress of life Everybody's going to the stores, going to the malls, going all over trying to buy presents for Johnny and Mary and so on, that they forget the true meaning of Christmas. And you know, I even Googled movies about Christmas or talk about Christmas. And here's what I found out when I Googled it. It's called A Christmas Story. It's about a kid wanting a Red Ryder BB gun. And then there's another Christmas movie out, Nightmare Before Christmas. Another one, Elf, The Gremlins, Bad Santa, Frosty the Snowman, Scrooge, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, you have all these things around Christmas time, these movies, and I'm not saying they're good or bad or whatever, but if you Google Christmas movies, those are the movies that come up. Not the true meaning of Christmas. It's crazy because the true meaning of Christmas is Jesus Christ. Jesus is a reason for the season. And we left Him out. And we. it seems like as a country, we're trying to eliminate Jesus Christ altogether. We talk about the holiday season instead of the Christmas break for school kids or, or happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Or we say Merry Xmas. We X Christ out of Christmas. And there's people out there that want to eliminate Jesus altogether, banned the nativity scenes in public areas, and crosses in the Ten Commandments. They don't want nothing to do with that. In fact, there was a, a statue just put up in Illinois, I think it's state capitol. It's a statue of Satan. It's just put up. But we eliminate Jesus Christ out of Christmas. It's and in Nebraska, there's a principal that banned candy canes at the school because they were a J shape, which might represent Jesus Christ. And he said, we also want to ban the colors red and green. We want to forget Christmas because those colors represent Christmas. It's sad what we see today in this world. I found out a lot of people this day and age don't know about the Bible at all. When I grew up, I went to church. My mom and dad took me to church. Sometimes I really didn't care to go to church, but I was they made me go anyways. And I learned about David and Goliath, Noah and the ark, Jonah and the whale. I learned about the true meaning of Christmas. And even in my public school when I was a kid, we had the Christmas play. And we had kids 
represent Mary and, and Joseph when we had a little baby in the manger. We, we sang Christmas songs. We sang songs like, Away in the Manger, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. O holy night, silent night, O little town of Bethlehem. And you know, I used to think that everybody knew their Bible. But I found out this day and age they don't. I was talking to Angelo. You know, Angelo, Chaplain Angelo. He says before he got saved, before he was a Christian, he didn't know anything about the Bible. He said, I never heard of Noah and the Ark. I never heard of Jonah and the whale. I never heard the true meaning of Christmas. So today, I decided we're going to know the true meaning of Christmas out of the Word of God, not hearsay, not whatever. We want to go by God's Word, what the true meaning of Christmas is. And I want to start in Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read you the Christmas story. And then we'll go to Luke, it talks about the Christmas story also. So Matthew wrote about it, and Luke wrote about it. And it says in chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was when Jesus' mother, Mary, was engaged to Joseph. Before they came together, before they were intimate, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her, her husband, was a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded about putting her away secretly. See, back in them days, if a gal got pregnant without being married, I'll tell you, it, it, it was bad. It was bad. It was taboo. This day and age, it doesn't seem like it matters at all. But in God's Word, it does. He didn't know what to do. How would you think you're, you're uh, engaged to a lady and she tells you she's pregnant? What, what, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to think? What are you going to be thinking? Well, here's, here's what it says. But while he thought of these things, as Joseph, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not for taking Mary to be thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son. Now, this is long before ultrasound. The angel said, you're going to have a son. It's not going to be a girl, it's going to be a boy. And it says, and, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken in, of the Lord by the prophets. In the Old Testament of the Bible, there was a prophecy. It was written 700 years before Jesus was born. And it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God's with us. This is written 700 years before he was born. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep he was in, did as the angel of the Lord said, and he took Mary, 
to be his wife and knew not her in, intimately till she had brought forth her first son, the firstborn, and they called his name Jesus. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, if you know anything about Herod the king back in those days, he was an evil man. And it says, he was born in the days of Herod the king. And behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is that born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and we're coming to worship him. And Herod the king heard of these things, and he was troubled. And why he was troubled? Because they called this baby king of the Jews. And Herod was jealous. He didn't want another king. And it says Herod was troubled. And when Herod had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the other people together, he demanded them, where should the Christ be born? And they said unto him, Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written by the prophet, the prophet Micah, written this over 700 years ago, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Isn't that awesome? And it says, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, thou art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. When Herod, then Herod, when he had called the wise men privately to him, he appealed to them, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search for the young child, and when you have found him, bring word again that I may come and worship him. That's what isn't what King Herod wanted to do, worship him. He wanted to kill him. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And this is about a year after Jesus was born. This is when he wasn't in the manger because it says he was a young child. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly glad. And were they come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And then they opened up their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they, they departed back to their country another way. The Lord told them not to go back to Herod and tell him anything, so they departed another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream and saying, Arise and take thy young child and his mother and flee unto Egypt and be thou there until I give you word. Herod will seek the young child and try to destroy him. So Joseph arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. So that's part of the Christmas story there. And then we'll get into Luke. Luke also wrote about the Christmas story. And Luke chapter 1, 
verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, and to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored of the Lord. The Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. You'd be troubled too if you'd seen an angel, wouldn't you? Just, whoa. At his saying and, and wondered what manner would he be here? And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom shall have no end. Then Mary said, How shall this be, seeing I have not been with a man? I don't, I've never been with a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the Holy One which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So that's part of the Christmas story. Miracle of the virgin birth. And if you look back in the Old Testament of Isaiah, which was Isaiah 14, or 714, 700 years before Christ. It talks about the Messiah being born of a virgin and being God with us. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, A male child will be born, and he will be called the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I want to read in Isaiah chapter... 53, the tail end of chapter 52 and 53. Remember while I'm reading this, this was written 700 years before Jesus was born. This is awesome stuff. And I'm, I'm using the Living Bible translation. It's, it makes it simpler to read it. In the tail end of chapter 52, it says, They shall see my servant beaten and bloodied, so disfigured, one would scarcely know that he was a person standing there. So shall he cleanse many nations. Remember when Jesus got beaten before he went on the cross and whipped, they could scarcely believe he was a man standing there. This is written 700 years before he was born. If you don't believe the Bible's real, listen to this, because it just, just so happened. This is awesome. Isaiah, Isaiah 53 says, But how few will believe it? Who will listen 
To whom will God reveal His saving power? In our eyes, He was like a tender green shoot sprouting from dry, sterile ground. In our eyes, there was no attractiveness at all, nothing to make us want Him. We despised Him and rejected Him, a man of sorrows acquainted with bitter grief. We turned our backs on Him and looked the other way when He went by. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our griefs He bore, our sorrows that weighed Him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins, but he was wounded and bruised for our sins. That's what happened to Jesus. He was punished that we might have peace. He was lashed that we may be healed. We are the ones that went astray like sheep. We who left God's paths to follow our own Yet God laid on him the guilt and sin of every one of us. That's what happened at the cross. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he never said a word. That's what happened. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears. He was dumb, which means he didn't speak. That's what happened. So he stood silent before the ones condemning him. From a prison and a trial, they led him away to his death. That's what happened to Jesus. But who among the people of that day realized it was their sins he was dying for, that he was suffering their punishment? He was buried like a criminal in a rich man's grave. That's what happened to Jesus. But he had done no wrong and had never spoken an evil word. Yet it was God's good plan to bruise him, to fill him with bitter grief. But when his soul has been made an offering for sin, then he shall have a multitude of children. That multitude of children is us when we come to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. One of, we're one of His. And it says, When His soul has been an offering for sin, then shall He have multitude of children, many heirs, and He shall live again. The third day He rose, didn't He? And God's program shall prosper in His hand. And when He has seen all that has been accomplished by the anguish of His soul, he shall be satisfied. And because of what he has experienced, my righteous servant shall make many to become counted righteous before God. For he shall bear all their sins. Therefore will I give him the honor of one who is mighty and great, because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was counted as a sinner and bore the sins of many and pled with God for sinners. That was written 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. That's just awesome. That proves the Bible to me, if anything else would.
And then there's some other things that talk about Jesus and Zechariah. It was written 700 years before Christ. And it says in there, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of prayer, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for the only son, and they shall weep for him as one that is grieving for the firstborn. Isn't that something? Jesus was pierced. Jesus was the only son. And all of Jerusalem someday is going to be mourning for the one that they crucified that he said he wasn't the true Messiah. And then written in Zechariah again, or yeah, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6. It says this, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in your hands? Remember, Jesus had wounds in his hands. And this is written 700 years before he's born. What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer those. He says, Those are wounds that I have received in the house of my friends. O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. And it says, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall all be scattered. Jesus is considered the good shepherd, and he was smitten with the sword, up thrusted the spear. And it says, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall scatter. His disciples all scattered after he died. So it talks all about Jesus in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's, it's a miracle. It isn't by coincidence. This Bible is real and it's factual. It's inspired by God. And what the Word of God says in John chapter 3, verse 3, this is Jesus talking. This is serious stuff to us now. Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in John 3, 16 through 18, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. He that believeth not is condemned already. That's what Jesus says. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no way we can be good enough to go to heaven. Romans 5, 8 says this, But God commended His love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift of God. If I had a Christmas present for you today, what would you have to do to come get it? you just have to receive it. Come up and get it, wouldn't you? Jesus Christ has a gift for each and every one of us here today. It's a free gift, but it's a priceless gift. Jesus paid that on the cross in agony for us, but it's free to us today. He loved us so much. He gives us a choice. And in Romans 10.9 says this, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.13 says this, For whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ made the lame walk. He made the blind see, made the deaf hear. He walked on water. He fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He was virgin born. He lived 33 years on this earth. He showed us how to live, how to love, and He led a sinless life. He died and suffered on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead, conquered death, rose the third day. After that, He came back from the grave and He was seen by His disciples and over 500 other people. You ever hear this? Uh, the saying called, don't be a doubting Thomas. It's kind of an old saying. Some of the younger people probably don't know that, especially if they don't know any part of the Bible. But there's an old saying that says, don't be a doubting Thomas. And that originated in the Bible. Because when Jesus came back from the grave... He went to see the disciples, and they were in a house. And he came and seen them. And all the disciples were there except Thomas. And Jesus left. And when Thomas came back to the house, the, the other disciples says, Thomas, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. He's back from the grave. And Thomas says, ah, I don't believe it. Unless I see the piercing in his hands and the slit where they slit him in the side, I'm not going to believe. Well, here's what it says in John chapter 20, verse starts out with 24. This is what the Bible says. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not there when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see the hands and the prints of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were together in the house, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus 
with the doors being shut, stood in the midst of them. It says Jesus came right through the wall. The doors were shut and he came in and said, peace unto you. Then he said to Thomas, this is what Jesus said to Thomas because Jesus knows all. He says, reach here thy finger and behold my hand and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but be believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, he says, my Lord and my God. Now listen to this. This is really important. That blesses my heart. And there's what Jesus said after Thomas seen him. Jesus said unto Thomas, because thou have seen me, you believe, but blessed are they that have not seen me, but yet believe. We haven't seen Jesus Christ. We live by faith. And Jesus says, blessed are they that have not seen, but yet believe. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Here's another thing Jesus said in John chapter 14. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And here, listen to this one. Verse 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He died for you. We need to live for Him. I'm asking you this question, everyone here today. If you would die today, where would you be? Would you be in heaven or would you be in hell? And if your answer is, I don't know, probably you're on your way to hell because the Bible says, this is a Bible verse, 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know. You know whether you ask Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior or not. I was 25 years old when I came to that decision in my life. And He changed my life, my priorities. I used to hide in the restroom of the church so I wouldn't have to go to my Sunday school class. I went to special reading classes, special speech classes. I stuttered. I never wanted to be in front of anybody. The Lord changed my heart, my priorities. And I'm here today because of what Jesus Christ did in my life. And I know He's real because He lives right in here. And that's why I'm here today. Because He gave me a burden 
to tell people about Jesus. That's why I'm here today, because I care. I don't want to see anybody going to hell. And we're going to close here. George, you maybe get ready. We're going to give an altar call. George is going to put a song on there, Amazing Grace, to save the wretch like me. And as that song plays, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, the guys, you come up. The ladies will just have to stand. But uh, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus Christ says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. That's what is he knocking on the door of your heart today? Is he knocking? You need to open the door of your heart. And you know, Jesus says, Don't be a secret Christian. He says, If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus fills the void we try to fill with earthly things. And you know, sometimes we poison our lives with sin. Then we complain to God how bad we have it. One of the best verses in the Bible, I think, is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. And uh, can guys come forward? Huh? Okay. Okay. If you want to ask Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, just stand up. And I'll say the sinner's prayer with you out loud. And I'm going to give you one of these. Could you pass them out? Here, take all these. Here's some more. You can pass out. Maybe some in the corner. <laughs> yeah, George has them. You know, if you have that pamphlet, look in it, and you'll see a spot in there. It shows that, uh, like a you on one side and God on the other side. And in that gulf, it says, sin separates us from God. And sin brings death and judgment on the next page. Then there's another page that shows the cross. It reaches from... God to man, the cross, Jesus Christ. And when we ask Jesus Christ in our heart to be our Lord and our Savior, we cross that bridge, the cross, and we have fellowship with Jesus Christ and all our sins forgiven and we're on our way to heaven. And I'm going to say the sinner's prayer out loud and those that want to repeat it after me, repeat it. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. The Bible says the Lord looks upon the heart. He knows whether you're playing church or you're doing business with Him, okay? So repeat after me if you want and ask Jesus Christ in your heart.
Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's no way I can make it to heaven on my own. I know you died for me, for my sins. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. Please forgive me of all my sins. I want to follow your ways, Lord. Not my ways. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. If you... If you meant it, He's there. Your sin's forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are, are all new. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.